So I take them through the house. I mean, they have been able to see babies, which I feel like is just clutch. And I think things are going well. And at the end, they say, so what is it that you need? And I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for to give an exact number or anything. I, I think, you know, I was still very green with, with all of that, with all of the asking. Um, and so I think I just fumbled. I don't, I don't even remember what I said at that point. And Kevin, I've never told you this. <laughs> they said, you need to work on your pitch. It's not very good. And they said, you know, Kevin from Heroic Media has it down pat. You should probably work with him. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Welcome back to One Visit Away with your host, Kevin Fitzpatrick. This show focuses on true stories of philanthropy in order to understand what it takes to succeed in major gift fundraising. Listen to these stories and you'll realize you're just one visit away from a transformational experience for your benefactors and your organization. Today's guest, Maria Puccini, is a native Ohioan who grew up in a suburb of Indianapolis, Indiana. She played basketball at the College of Mount St. Joseph, where she obtained her bachelor's in social work. She then on went to complete a master's in social work, in 2009. Also in 2009, Maria began to work for a house of hospitality for pregnant women in need of support called Maggie's Place in Phoenix, Arizona, where she lived with pregnant and homeless women for two years. This is where Maria started to truly understand the importance of authentic relationships to help women heal from past trauma and unhealthy relationships. After a short detour to Washington, D.C., Maria landed in Dallas to start a similar home for pregnant women. The organization, now known as In My Shoes, opened its door in September 2017. Maria is currently a co-founder and executive director of In My Shoes and is responsible for oversight of the organization, including fundraising and development. I am extraordinarily excited for you to hear this conversation. The short clip you heard at the beginning of this episode is part of a story that Maria tells that has tremendous value for all of us who work in major gift fundraising and may be my favorite story shared on the show so far. I hope you enjoy it. Well, welcome to One Visit Away, Maria. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kevin. Yeah, so um, could you, for everyone who doesn't know about In My Shoes, tell them about what you do and how you got started from absolutely zero to where you are now? In as <laughs> Somewhat of as brief away as possible. <laughs> yeah. That's, we that's can get into details later. Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, so in my shoes, we provide a safe, welcoming community for women who are pregnant and homeless or at risk of homelessness. So first and foremost, we provide housing for them um, during their pregnancy until the baby is about nine months old. They do have a, an opportunity for an extension at that point. But the bigger thing that we provide for them, too, is that community of support for them while they're going through their pregnancy. And so they're coming from a place of support having been lost to them for different reasons. A lot of it sometimes because of being pregnant and uh, we provide that community for them and walking side by side with them during that journey. So how we got started, 
uh, it was a dream that came about once um, I used to work for a similar organization in Phoenix, Arizona. And there were a few of us that worked there at that time. Long story short, we end up in Dallas uh, purposely to start a home for pregnant women who are homeless. And it was probably about, I think it was five years from the date that we moved here till we opened our doors and started accepting pregnant women. So there was a lot going on in between that time of uh, having the idea to making steps and plans and actually seeing it take off. So what was the, uh, what was the five-year period? Uh, what was going on during that time? A lot of it was trying to figure out our foundation. So um, some of it was just who we are, what, you know, what, what is our five-year goal and our 10-year goal? We even thought about 40 years. Um, and, and the first thing too, that had to happen was that we moved here and, and I'm talking, we, as in myself and two of the other founders of In My Shoes, we moved to Dallas with have, knowing very little, we moved to Dallas with knowing very few people. And so, um, so yeah, so we had to just meet people and talk to people and tell them about our vision. I mean, we spent five years until it was an actual building that you could see and you could see people living there just talking about what this vision is and saying, Hey, we're going to find a house and we're going to start housing pregnant women there. Um, And so, yeah, so starting to talk to people and getting, starting to get support and sometimes uh, it can be really difficult in that time of speaking your vision and trying to get and garner support during that time. Yeah. So tell me about, I'm curious. So you moved to Dallas. It was five years until you opened the doors, but how long was it until you started the 501c3? And I'm I'm curious essentially to know um, how long did it take you until you could start accepting donations? So we were, it was four years until we started the In My Shoes 501c3. We had worked under another organization for a period of time. So we were able to hold some money um, and still be tax, like tax deductible. Um, but it was, it was 2016 that we became 501c3. Yeah, I think that's a, a great background. One thing I'm curious on, maybe this will come in later, but uh, my understanding is that when you first started out, you were working full-time in the for-profit world um, I think possibly with a marketing or consulting company of some kind. And that was how you were able to live. And you were doing In My Shoes completely uh, in a non-compensated capacity and just doing all that in on your own time. Is that correct? Yeah. So I'm a social worker by trade. That's what I, I have my master's in social work. So I first started in Dallas in a social, social work position Um, And for a variety of reasons, I moved into a marketing and recruiting position with an engineering firm. But all during that time, I had to I had to make a living for myself. And also, I would spend my nights and weekends either trying to meet people or creating plans, business plans, that kind of stuff. So or having conversations and strategy meetings about how are we actually going to get this off the ground? Um, so yeah, there was a lot of time spent and thankfully I'm an extrovert. So going to networking events 
or different groups was easy to me and I enjoyed that. And it was different than my day job. You know, I could spend and the benefit of doing marketing and recruiting for an engineering firm is that it's not so emotionally taxing, whereas social work is and also trying to start a business or a nonprofit is very emotionally taxing. So I was able to balance those things during that time. The reason I bring that up, though, is um, too many times people focus on some of the qualifications. I was just on the phone with someone yesterday and they were like, well, how they applied for this position, but they don't have fundraising experience. And they're like, is that, I feel like that's a huge hindrance and I don't think they're going to give me the job. And I was saying that that passion for the mission is the most important thing. And uh, I mean, you, one of the reasons, you know, in my shoes is going to be successful is when you have someone who is passionate enough to, uh, just do all this work for free for no compensation in their own time, uh, just wanting to make that vision a reality. And so, so much of fundraising is just being passionate, sharing a vision with people and asking them to to support it. And so, yeah, I commend you on that. And you might even have some, that might be part of the the stories you you tell today. Yeah. And I, I agree with you um, that I, I didn't study fundraising or development in school whether it was social work or, or working in marketing, you know, um, I didn't, I didn't study that per se, but if it was a non-work related event, I was talking about in my shoes at every opportunity and whoever yes. would listen to me. <laughs> yep. yeah. yeah. And, and I love that. That's w- one of the things when I first started at heroic media, I had no idea what I was doing. There was, uh, there was no one above me who was, doing fundraising so i was just zero guidance within the organization and so all i did like you was just talk to everybody i could just telling them about heroic media there wasn't any strategy there wasn't any like hey i'm gonna talk to this number of people it was just get the word out in whatever way i just saw this thing this dumb facebook group i started years ago that like popped up and it was like heroic media colon how you can help and like (laughs) um Obviously, that generated nothing, but it's just that that drive <laughs> to go out and do stuff is is key. So, I'll stop talking there. And I know I know you've got some stories that you wanted to share, so I'll just let you jump in with whatever you'd like to start with. Yeah, and and to that point of you know starting with fundraising, and I think sometimes it can be intimidating for people, just like you mentioned, and thinking about well, how am I ever going to get you know, I've listened to your other podcasts. How am I ever going to get a million dollar donation from one person? Well, that's, that's really intimidating to start with. And, and that's not how you necessarily need to think right away, right away. It's about definitely getting the word out there and talking to people. And, um, and for me, what I had to do, I moved to Dallas knowing, like I said, very few people. And I had to go towards people that I did already know. Um, And so I had, the two co-founders that I moved here with, and I had my family friends um, who I had really interacted with like once or twice in my life before moving to Dallas. And they are my family away from family now. Like they, that's who they are. But you know, that those were people that I knew in Dallas. And so, you know, with developing those relationships, um, one of our first donations that we got was a 
um, surprise for me, but they had come together as a family and collected money for us. And so it was small. It was about $2,000 total. You know, the fact that uh, my family friends had come together to give money and towards something that was very much a vision and a dream and not nothing concrete. That meant so much to me. Um, and, and that's kind of where we started. And, you know, since then, several of these family members have signed up for monthly donations or continue to give in other ways or have introduced me to other people, which I'll talk about um, in a little while too. And then another friend um, who I had met here in Dallas through working out, through the workout group that I'm a part of, um, he, he put together a chili cook-off for In My Shoes. So w- one of the questions I sent you was about, you know, what was one of the s- moments or maybe a couple of examples of when you first, so you, you told the story of the family that got together a couple thousand dollars. That might be one of them, but any examples of like when someone gave a gift and you thought this is really going to happen. So I attribute some of our early gifts to beginner's luck, or maybe you can call it beginner's blessings. Um, but we had a board member um, who was part of this family that I talked about, uh, but he, he was on our board and he knew somebody who he thought was going to be able to give us in a significant way. Um, so he sent an email to her and, um, you know, he, he, he even admitted to me, like, I'm kind of shooting in the dark. I don't, you know, I don't know if she'd be willing to give or not. And so through that, she responded and said, I'm interested in learning more. And so we uh, set up a time for her to come and see at that time, this was right before I had um, planned to leave my job that I was working full time to step out and start working full-time for In My Shoes. So we were a 501c3 at that point. We um, had the property um, that we were about to use. So we had acquired this property um, and we were, well, let me take a step back. We had started the steps to acquire the property. We didn't 100% have it yet, but we we knew we were going to have it. And um, so we ent- we invited this woman over to see the property and see the house. So in case, in the case that she was going to make this investment, that she could see the space that we were working with. She came, she saw the space. At this point, we just had a brochure that said, here are some building sponsorship levels um, to help us with the renovations of the home and to get started as an organization. And we didn't, I never, at that point, I never did a direct ask, right, of saying, I think you're capable, you know, of this amount of money. I was just giving her this this brochure and she picked the highest level, which was a $50,000. Wow. Donation. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny, too, because she told this story um, afterwards when I when I met with her I met with I've met with her several times since then and she said you know I I heard about your mission to help pregnant women and I was asking my uber driver on the way to an event if I should help out this organization (laughs) (laughs) 
and maybe it wasn't asked, but she was talking about it. She was she was thinking about it in this Uber driver, like in the car, and <laughs> she said, um, "This Uber driver said something about how she had been involved in organizations that had helped women, like through women's rehab programs or." Uh, domestic violence shelters or things like that and she's like I really think that you should help them out so that was <laughs> I think the Uber driver at that point did a better job doing an ask than I did <laughs> that is so funny <laughs> I yeah. have never I have never heard of a benefactor discussing their giving with like a total stranger <laughs> yeah but that's yeah. an uh, that's an interesting strategy maybe start a <laughs> Having Uber drivers pick up your donors before uh, coming to the visit. And <laughs> Start a training program for them to do yeah, right yeah. That is so cool. Man, The uh, it's too bad that uh, 50000 was your highest level on that uh, brochure because yeah. I, w- I wonder what she would have done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Wow. That is so cool. Um, I love that story. Some of the things I'm trying to think of a couple things I found interesting. The fact that she picked the top one is really telling in just that, again, coming back to that, one of the things I focused on so much is it is almost impossible to over ask. It is very rare that you over ask someone for a gift and just Mm -hmm. casting a very large, bold vision is always helpful. When you speak about your organization Never talk about the little need like, you know, we need, you know, $50 would really help a lot or don't don't start with what you would like that person to give. Start with a very large number so Mm -hmm. people can have expectations put in place. Because if you're if you're talking to somebody who has $50,000 capacity and you're talking about a million dollar project, they're not going to not give you 50,000 because you said a million to start off with. But if someone has million dollar capacity and you start talking about $50,000 and you don't even begin the conversation with, Hey, like the whole, the cost of this whole vision is a million dollars. And and just telling people that really puts things into, into reference of like, Oh, so they, they need to raise significant gifts to make this happen. Uh, And so it puts people in that mindset. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a wonderful thing. You had 50,000 on there. So that she was able to see that and just say, yeah, I want to do it. I'm all in. And that's, that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think a challenge for us too has been, we, we put those prices, those prices that, that those donor donation levels together specifically for renovations. And we had very clear, like, this is what this is going to. Um, And so you know, and that's, that's been a continued challenge then as we're not. So some of the things aren't quite as tangible as we're renovating this building and we need X amount of money for, you know, this, uh, you know, fixing a bathroom or whatever. So um, that's always continue, you know, be a challenge too. And I I can talk about that more later, but it's uh, of like kind of quantifying and really telling people what their money's going for. The other thing I find interesting about the board member, so he reached out to this woman. Do you know if that board member had ever had experience of doing things like this in the past? Or was this like a, just a total shot in the dark? Um, he had had a little bit of experience with 
being on the board of another nonprofit before, but as far as doing direct ask major gifts, not, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and was he there when she came to visit the the site? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there was that introduction and kind of like a handoff officially. Um, and to, okay, I know this person, but now it's her decision. And this is with, you know, Maria and the organization and this donor uh, to have this conversation. Yeah. So that's a really key thing is um, a lot of the benefit that board members can, can provide is making the introduction. And like you said, the handoff, sometimes you have board members that are very experienced at asking people for money. They might have the right personality or the, uh, I mean, there's some people I know that one guy in particular, I know he's just sat down with a group of five of his friends and he just says, Hey, we're going to fund this project before we walk out of here. It's $500,000. I'm putting up a hundred thousand and I need you all to make commitments right now until we get to 500 or something like that. And there's certain types of people that love that kind of thing. Sometimes board members are not good at that kind of thing. They don't want to do it. And so having them have a simple task like, hey, reach out to this person, introduce them to me is very little work on their part, but can have tremendous impact in the long run. Yes, absolutely. And we still rely on that so much. I mean, you know, I've met so many people now being in Dallas almost eight years, but there's still so many more people to meet and people who are wanting and willing to give to in my shoes. One of the things I hear people say is, you know, Oh, there's only so many people out there. There's only so many people in the blank community, Catholic, Baptist, pro-life, whatever you want to call it. And I have found that that is just so not true at all. Um, The, one of the things I've, one of the times when, when Laura and I visited in my shoes, I was looking at the names on the outside the doors with the, uh, you know, little plaques with people's names saying they'd funded that room. And I didn't know like probably 50% of them. And, mm-hmm. and I've been doing this for seven years in Dallas with a lot of the same group of people. And I've never heard of at least 50% of these people. And maybe they wouldn't be interested in heroic media, but probably there's a decent like overlap of, of interest. And and I've just noticed there, there are thousands of people, even somewhere like DFW that nobody has any idea who they are. And so they're out mm-hmm. there. The challenge is just going to believing that they're there and going out and finding them. Yeah. And I think in a way for me personally, it's been a benefit of not knowing people because then I'm experiencing meeting people in a lot of different avenues, a lot of different ways, which I think can help diversify that. Also, I mean, I think that's so true that it can be intimidating. We're still a little fish in a big sea. There are so many nonprofits in Dallas and DFW that are huge and have been in existence for years and it can be intimidating. And, um, but that, and that's that's a lesson that I've had to learn that a even if someone's already giving doesn't to somebody else doesn't mean that they're not going to give to you too, um, and just you know being okay with continuing to get that awareness out there like it's it's not it's not a excuse to not do it. 
Yeah, that falls into the the there's only so many people is one of my least favorite excuses <laughs> out there because when you when you say that it takes all responsibility off of you. It's like you're right, there's only there's only 50 people and I've talked to all of them, so I guess we can just stop working for the rest of the year. Uh and and that's just not true at all. So uh any so I love the story the woman who gave the 50,000 any others come to mind? Yeah, so I wanted to talk about this was also very early on. And again, some beginner's luck and some mercy given to me um, from the donor in this situation. Uh, So I had, um, and and again, I had met somebody else who had had a chance to see the house. Um, We had, I didn't know this couple very well but they had invited me to an event. And at that point they introduced me to other people, um, which was incredibly beneficial. And so through that, I was able to schedule a visit with um, a new potential donor and his friend. So there were two people um, that I was going to be meeting with both potential donors. Um, And so I learned so much from this event. So, or from this, this visit, and at the end of the day, uh, one of the donors donated $25,000, Wow, which was wow. huge. Again, so I'm like, I got this. I got a $50,000 donation. I got a $50,000 <laughs> donation within like two months of each other. Wow. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, was still, it was still a little bit of a stressful meeting. And the reason being that is because, you know, same thing. We had the sponsorship levels. And I started really small. I started with the smallest level. Yeah. And yeah. the person who decided to give 25000 said, with guys like us, you need to ask for more. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I just felt awesome. a little bit sheepish. But then I, you know, and, and that was just a really great le- lesson for me to, A, maybe do a little bit more research beforehand and be be willing to to make a bigger ask wait so um, what did you so when he said that um how did you respond and and what ultimately led to him giving yeah so i think um how did i respond i think i just sat there for a minute <laughs> <laughs> just cried um, for a couple minutes and uh... <laughs> yeah and i think you know one of the things that i really appreciate about this donor is that I was also giving a pitch and trying to give some numbers. And again, this was before we were actually operating. So a lot of these numbers were just kind of shot in the dark. And so he kind of pressed more for that information. And, um, and so that's one of the things too with with this donor in particular. The next time I met with him, I came much more prepared to deliver these numbers. Um, and so there was a little bit of of a jab, but I I honestly think that the reason that he gave was because of the passion and that he could see the vision. And also, it was a little bit of a benefit because both of the both him and his friend were kind of in a competition in a way (laughs) of like his friend like had 
made a commitment as well for a donation. And um, the other guy then said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to give you even more than that. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. So there, there was a, there was a smaller commitment that night, but then the larger $25,000 commitment. So I think, I think it was a combination. And that's what I said. Like, I think he had a little bit of mercy on me that I didn't have all of the exact numbers together. Um, you know, like showing what our growth has been, I think was what he was really interested in. And then, mm-hmm. and then showing more specifically how this money is going to be used and, um, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, so he gave a, showed a little bit of mercy on me, but I think because he saw the passion and he, I could communicate the vision, um, then that's what made him decide to give. One thing I'll, comment and recommend for for everyone listening is uh to be more direct in asking like about giving from your benefactors so for example if i thought of well what would i say if i was in your position and he said something like that to me because i've asked similar questions if 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 someone says something like with guys like us you gotta ask for more than that a great question to respond with would be something like, well, what do guys like you give to organizations like us? And, yeah. and, and now put it back to him. And cause now, like, I mean, if he, if you were saying a thousand and he's saying guys like us give more than that, that could be anything from 5,000 to a million. I have no, I, we have no idea what someone's capacity is until they tell us. And, yeah. uh, and so a lot of times, I mean, I've asked, people questions like that and you know one in particular i can think of like what's uh you know how much do you typically give to an organization like us that you're really excited about in a first-time gift it was someone who he gives away millions of dollars a year and has like dozens of organizations he gives to and it's kind of a long story but for a variety of reasons i had no idea what to ask him for and so i basically just asked him what do you give to organizations like us in a first time gift. And he said 25,000 and that's what he did. And, uh, yeah. So I think there's a lot of times we're a little like that guy was not timid at all in telling you what he wanted to express. And we should feel the same way to just write back at him. Like, well, what do you recommend? (laughs) And, uh, that's a very good point. And, and I think that's what I've learned through this and and he was also very open with explaining to me how he and his family decide to give and where they decide to give and like their process for that and I that was so helpful too to understand that and yes I think kind of countering with more questions and just exploring that more is so helpful yeah yeah but that's awesome man 50,000 the 25,000 you're you're just starting to think about the next five buildings y'all are going to purchase. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a great story. So yeah. what, what else do you have? Anything come to mind? Yeah. So I have my worst story here. Excellent. These are, <laughs> these are some of my favorites. <laughs> yes. So I had, uh, what I consider some beginner's luck success. And then we opened our doors and opening our doors for me. I mean, I am the only really development person and I'm the executive director. So 
there are many hats and through growth, I'm getting more to being about 50% development as opposed to programming and all the other things. At the beginning of In My Shoes, I was basically living in the house during the week um, to get us started. And so uh, I remember, so this, um, this couple who I had met before and they knew what we were doing and I knew they were supportive of it. They wanted, they actually reached out to me to schedule um, a visit. And to see the house since we'd done the, since we had done the renovations and, um, they want, yeah, they wanted to see all the improvements that were made. And so they hadn't given before this, this point. And so I knew that this, you know, I knew what the purpose of the visit was going to be. So we, we had an event we were both going to be at on a Friday evening and they wanted to come to the house right before that. So this is the end of a long week. I probably slept at the house twice that week. Like I was exhausted. I was tired, um, but very, very excited um, to have them come and see the house and so proud of what we've done. And we actually at that point had babies crawling on the floor and, you know, I thought, you know, perfect setup. Um, so I take them through the house. I mean, they had been able to see babies, which I feel like is just clutch with, <laughs> with right. any oh, yeah. supporter yeah. or donor. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think things are going well. And at the end, <laughs> they say, so what is it that you need? And I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for to give an exact number or anything. I, right. I think, um, you know, I was still very green with, with all of that, with all of the asking. Um, and so I think I just fumbled. I don't, I don't even remember what I said at that point. And Kevin, I've never told you this. (laughs) (laughs) They said, you need to work on your pitch. It's not very good. And they said, you know, Kevin from heroic media has it down pat. You should probably work with him. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that is funny. That is funny. And I'm, I'm very sorry that I was, I was part of the insult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, okay. Now, that was a crushing i i can't imagine like hearing stuff like that is just just really hurts and so obviously that was not fun but did they provide anything more helpful than just pain that led to (laughs) good yeah so i think um you know i i think one of the things that they wanted to see was simplification of you know, saying that a gift of this amount is going to to help in my shoes provide housing for this many women. And yeah. so they were saying that that, you know, more along the lines of of what they wanted to hear. And so, yeah, it was devastating to me <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Um, I was tired. It was a long week. Yeah. And um, and so but I went back to a couple of our board members and I said, Hey, this is what happened. And 
I need to work on my pitch. That's what they said. You know, I need to work on my pitch. So I worked together with, um, you know, some of the board members who, who had helped with uh, major gifts too in the past. And so they helped me simplify my, the narrative about in my shoes and to quantify more like what individual gifts are going to give. And, and I will say that um, this couple, they said your, your pitch is terrible, but they said, we, we are planning on giving, but they left it. They left it at that. And so I spent, I spent the next few months um, really refining this. And I set up a meeting. I set up another visit with them. And I presented more specific numbers and more specific of this is where your money is going to go. And they said, this is exactly what we were looking for. We're going to give $10,000. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) There are so many things I want to comment on. First off, I was having this conversation well, this might have been in the last podcast um, with Dan Bailey, but I was talking about how people, major gifts is very simple, but most people are unsuccessful because they do not want to live with the rejection that comes with the territory. And uh, it is, major gifts is the highest emotional risk, but it's the largest financial reward. Uh, for your organization and you hearing that and like listening to what they said first off not just saying well they're jerks uh move on to the next you heard something that was very difficult to hear and painful and you said what can i learn from this and you went to the board and you took action and then beyond that you went back to that couple uh, you went back to the torture chamber and uh, <laughs> agreed to enter in and and showed them that like, hey, I listened to what you said and we made changes and they gave a $10,000 gift. And that is 99 out of 100 development people would not go back to see that person. And so they would lose that $10,000 and lifelong giving potential, which could amount to hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions in a will one day. And so I just want to congratulate you. That is one of the most awesome stories I've ever heard. And that is so cool. So way to go. And the other thing I'll say, uh, my presentation that I share with people at Heroic Media is not something I created. Um, there are the style that I have a conversation with someone in a visit is something that I have created, but like the materials we have and the ability to show results is not something I did was completely un, uh, responsible for. So that has nothing to do with me. So that is just, I love that story. Possibly my favorite story that's been shared <laughs> so far. Thank you. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and to your point too, about, um, making the ask and the risk that goes along with it. I mean, again, my background's in social work, not sales. And, and it is. So it's kind of, you have to have that same mindset of sales because you're going to make a pitch and you might not get it. And 
and you might get criticism or, or constructive criticism in this case. And yeah. so, um, but it can be nerve wracking and I'll sit there and I'll pet myself up to make a phone call and to schedule that visit and say, okay, you yeah. gotta do it, you know? Um, because it can be, it can be intimidating for sure, but it's yeah. not about and, me. And this is what, you know, you and I talk about a lot too, is, it's not about me. It's not about the organization. About it's about the moms and the babies that are in the house and yes. what we need to do to provide for them. So, yes, to to that point exactly. It's one of the. I gave a talk at the Catholic Foundation several months ago, and one of the things I said in my talk is I was I was railing against excuses and how much I despise them, and you know people saying stuff like, "Oh, well, it's easy for that person because they've got this advantage and that advantage," and what what it comes down to is. The difference between someone who's successful and not is the successful person is making however many calls, if it's 50 or 100 in a day, to get their their calendar full of visits. That's that's all it comes down to. And mm-hmm. and, and I don't know I don't know who this couple is and I'm sure when they shared that with you, they didn't mean it in but they were not trying to hurt you in any oh, way. Absolutely not. And and I've learned too just getting to know them more like they're just yeah. straight to the point you know like yeah 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 and, Some and so like yeah and so he they they really truly were trying to help me with this right. because they knew I was a new executive director and just starting out and so um absolutely and, and I've taken that advice from them and from some of these other donors and to continue to build and to make the pitch better yeah and and the the thing I'll say further from that is they so they weren't trying to to hurt you but the thing is they were just trying to be helpful but you mm-hmm. are so closely attached to in my shoes like you founded this uh you were working on it without getting paid for so long you got it going every obstacle ultimately uh it fell on your shoulders obviously there was a lot of help from the board and everyone else but like it, it's just a part of you. And so when some, and you've worked so hard on it. And so when someone says something like that, it just hurts personally. And, and, and that's what it comes down to is exactly what you said is it's not about me. One of the things I said in that talk was uh, it's not about you. And essentially like for you at, in my shoes, the women and the children that y'all serve do not care about your excuses. And so stop making excuses and start making phone calls because un- until you're willing to accept that pain, you'll never have success. And so, so talk to me about like, wh- why do you do it? Uh, to, I think this isn't typically what we focus on, but why do you do this when you could be doing something else and making a lot more money? Why, why do you deal with that type of, of pain? Uh, so I- I continue to do it because I recognize that this type of program that we have created is truly transformative for the mom and for her baby. And so when we're talking about, um, you know, when we're talking about being pro-life, um, for me, it is a lot of walking that path with the woman and her baby and, and really truly supporting her with that. And like, and it's incredible to see the transformation that these women can make in that house. And so, you know, 
for me, yeah, I think, I think as, as some of the things are hard and there's a lot of other more, much more difficult things, um, you know, with mom stories and, and, and difficulties that they have. But I think that, um, yeah, I, I, I get so much hope on all the moments that I spend with them. And, you know, I have to be out and about and scheduling meetings. And lately with COVID, I've been working from home and not always in the home. And sometimes I'll just go upstairs in the house, offices downstairs, residential areas upstairs, and I'll just go talk to a mom for a little bit or I'll hold a baby yeah. for a little bit. And that brings yeah. it all back of like, why yeah. this is so important. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That is so cool. I can't even imagine a, uh, you probably have more stories, but that one was just so good. <laughs> I almost just want to <laughs> make that its entire, in a, a, a single story episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, no. What else? Uh, what else? Do you, I, okay. Well, the other thing I have to say, if man, if that's your worst visit, that is, I would classify that as your best visit in terms of uh, how you responded. So what, uh, what else do you have? Kevin, you and I have talked a lot about how simplifying, and, and I hope that that's a key here. And this is something that I'm continuing to learn myself is how to continue to simplify things. And, and with the ask for a visit in and of itself. So calling somebody yeah. to ask for a visit and simplifying that. And um, I had an experience and I talk a lot and I don't know if it's because I'm Midwest or from the Midwest or <laughs> a girl or whatever. Um, <laughs> I try to justify like why I'm trying to set up a visit with somebody. Yep. And I made a phone call, uh, I guess, I don't know, a year or so ago. And it's, it's a, a friend of a friend. And so I've, I've met this person on a few different occasions and I, and I had also um, helped him out with another organization that I know he supports. And so I, I made a call and I said, I'd like to schedule a visit with you and also to catch up and talk about how we can connect these two organizations. Right. And so he called me back and he said, oh, okay. Yeah, let's talk about how we can connect these two organizations. Right, right. <laughs> and then that whole thing fizzled and it just, I no, nothing ever happened. And yeah. I never got to even visit with him one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. to say, hey, I'd, I'd really like your financial help with in my shoes. And so um, it, 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 his name came up again. I was like, yeah, I probably need to give him a call again. And so this time I was more direct. And I said, I would like to ask for a visit and to see how you may be able to help financially. Yeah. And he called me back the next, within the hour or something. And he said, okay, like, wh what do you need? What, what's going on? Yeah. And I said, um, you know, I, I have a, a goal that I'm trying to reach by September. And, and I'm wondering if you would consider a $10,000 gift. Yeah. And he said, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh. <laughs> 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 okay, so that was 
that was easy. I wasn't even, this was over the phone, um, which, you know, to your point, there may be, and hopefully in the future will be um, commitments of maybe a higher, higher, higher number. But the other thing that he did too, and he started listing off all these people and he said, I know, do you know so-and-so, do you know so-and-so? He said, I think, I think these people would really like to get involved within my shoes too. And I'll help you reach your, your bigger goal. And so, uh, I'll be back in touch, but I'm going to, I'm going to work on these like three or four people to set up a meeting with you. And I mean, that's huge. That's gold in and of itself, because this one gift that he's going to give can multiply to, you know, who, who knows how much, um, with these other meetings. Um, so that's yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that one. So several points when one of the reasons I tell people all the time is Anytime you are reaching out to a benefactor or a prospect for any reason, just have one objective. So if I'm calling, it's to schedule a visit and to do Mm -hmm. nothing else. I'm not Mm -hmm. calling to thank them for their previous gift and schedule a visit. If I'm calling to thank them, I call them to thank them. If I'm calling to schedule a visit, I call to schedule a visit. If you're visiting with them, either ask them for a gift or or ask them for something else. Don't mm-hmm. say, I'd like you to consider a gift of $10,000. And could you host an event for us? And could you introduce me to these five people? Because the, the the reason that I focus on one thing is because it makes it abundantly clear to the prospect or the benefactor exactly what we're looking for. And it's much easier to respond to that one thing. So if you if you tell somebody, I'd like these three different things, they're paralyzed. It's like, I don't, I don't know that that's so many different things or it's too easy for them to just focus in on. I want to, I want to avoid the conversation about money and I'll just focus on this one thing. And then we never talk about it. So that that's the main reason the one thing at a time is, is key. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely, like I said, it's definitely something that I'm still refining uh, myself, but it's, it's proven effective. (laughs) <laughs> time yeah, and time yeah again. for sure yeah and the uh the other thing i'll i'll comment on so you know you had told him what your goal was and you asked him for a ten thousand dollar gift and he just right over the phone was like sure yeah i can do that uh, no big deal mm-hmm. and i think one of the things that's difficult for us especially as people who are i think there's a variety of things but like being working at a nonprofit, it depends too on like how you grew up like if you uh, I didn't grow up with <laughs> parents that made, you know, like millions of dollars a year or anything like that at all. And so it can be tough for us to enter into that world. And so, I mean, for many of the people we talk to, they will seriously make in one month more than we make in a year. And oh, yeah. sometimes they'll make five or 10 times in a month what we'll make in a yeah. year. And so it just... <laughs> It just like our, our, it's very difficult for us to see something like $10,000 as potentially an insignificant amount of money. And so trying to open our minds up more to that, to be comfortable with, hey, like I'm, I'm talking to people who make $10,000 in a few days. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's not as big of a deal as, as we think it is. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely been like an exercise of stretching my own mind beyond mm-hmm. those and recognizing that, like you said, it oftentimes they do have a much bigger capacity than what than what we're asking for. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a guy I know who he sold. He sold his first company that he owned 100% of and had zero debt on for $300 million. And mm. so... And and that was just like one business venture. And he's got stuff going all over the place in so many different fields. And so it's like, we just can't, that's just so different from the way most of us grew up. Uh, or And so it's just, it's it's a thing we have to break through to, to understand that like, yeah, like $10,000 could be a really, really insignificant amount of money to certain yeah. people. Yeah, uh, yeah. So... Yeah, that man, that's another great story. Any anything else you got? <laughs> um, well, so that same day I got a phone call from somebody and they said they wanted to donate ten percent of a cow to in my shoe. Yes. So I don't know, <laughs> Kevin, if you ever got that. Um, if no, you ever got no, that, that donation is... of it. <laughs> That is one you can forever uh, hold up in your trophy cabinet above me. Is I have never received a portion of an animal for a yeah, media. Yeah, yeah. Was this, but that's also uh, a little bit different because we, you know, we accept <laughs> a lot of in-kind donations and donations of food and all that stuff. So that is so cool. <laughs> I'm now, very grateful. Now, is this someone who like? raises cows or is this just like a i hit a cow driving my truck around and now i gotta <laughs> do something with it? uh so i think they they decided to purchase the cow because i'm um and and this was also a referral base so i didn't know this person herself and i knew um uh, another person that had connected us so yeah i think that it was that they just decided to purchase a cow probably because we, the state of our grocery stores is sometimes the what's available is we're not sure with COVID and, and all that stuff. So um, yeah, they were having different families pitch in to, to all take part and, uh, and they decided they were going to donate a percentage to in my shoes. So, um, you know, we're right now we're feeding uh, about 15 people, and so getting getting some extra beef is definitely <laughs> is definitely uh welcome for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Any uh anything else? Any other stories? No, I think that that's what I have on yeah. my list. <laughs> well. Well, well, this is amazing. I so just for everybody to to hear, so it was what year was it that you open the doors to In My Shoes. Yes. So we opened in September 2017. And so we are coming up on our three-year anniversary. Wow. And what is y'all's uh, budget for this year? Our budget is uh, 400000 for the okay. year. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's going from... Obviously, you were raising some money beforehand and developing relationships, but from the time y'all opened until now, about three years, four hundred thousand budget, uh, four hundred thousand dollar budget. That's tremendous growth, and I think it. A lot of it comes down to you and the board, but ultimately, just the mission. I think is so compelling, and just getting it out to people is. 
I mean, I was telling you on the phone the other day, it's like, what kind of person would not want to help within my shoes? It's just such a, it's just such a good, noble, pure mission that I can't imagine anyone from any background or political party or religion would think, man, that's just (laughs) like pregnant, homeless moms need help. That's just like a... Fundamental, everyone, uh, as long as they are not deeply deranged, agrees with that. And, uh, so, <laughs> yeah, and y'all are yeah. doing a tremendous job with it. So I congratulate yeah. you on the growth y'all have had and the success and all the great work. And thanks for doing such a great job and keep it up. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, thanks for being on the show, Maria, and look forward to talking soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Kevin. That was Maria Puccini with In My Shoes. If you found this episode valuable, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to stay up to date on the show, you can like One Visit Away on Facebook or connect with me, Kevin Fitzpatrick, on LinkedIn. If you really want to help the show grow, please personally share this episode with other development professionals. If you'd like to find out more about In My Shoes or get in touch with Maria, you can email her at maria at liveinmyshoes.org or visit the website liveinmyshoes.org. I hope you enjoyed Maria's stories and are inspired to schedule more visits. After all, you're just one visit away from someone giving $50,000 after consulting with an Uber driver, or who knows, you might even receive a portion of a cow.